Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. And I'm excited to have on the program today, we're going to talk about some things that are going on at the Capitol and some things that are impacting religion and kind of what the fights are and what the discussions are that are going on at, I call it, the big house. And with us in studio today is Chris Healy. And Chris is the executive director of the Connecticut Catholic Conference. Uh, We was given that position uh, back in December of 2018. And he's been around everywhere. He's public policy guy. He's a media guy. He's been very involved in grassroots politics. He sits on the school board in his town. And uh, he also served as communications director for the U.S. House of Representatives. And the list goes on and on and on. Um, You should be like 150 years old, Chris. I am, actually, (laughs) in dog years. In dog years. Well, it's great to have you here. And we always have great conversations, Chris, because... um, because we do. And, you know, I, I saw you up at the Capitol. I was up there earlier this week uh, meeting with a client of mine, and I saw you sitting there, you know, in the bowels of the legislative office building, hard at work. What were you doing? Uh, like most adults there, we sit in the cafeteria like it's high school, and uh, we, try to, <laughs> we try to move the, de- the needle a little bit for the, for the good of people of faith and uh, try to bring facts and passion and clarity to the political debate. And... Um, it's a process that uh, is necessary, critical to our republic, but also critical to people that uh, believe in their faith and believe in the tenets of the First Amendment, which is the practice of free religion, which all other of our acts are under the Bill of Rights come from. So uh, that's sort of what I do. It's an honor to do it. It's a pleasure to do it. It's one of the, it is a, one of great responsibility, and I work with great people, and I am honored to represent uh, the people that pay the bills and my bishops, as well as um, all the people of the Catholic faith. Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, I am not a lobbyist. Are you a registered lobbyist, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm not. And, you know, I hadn't been up there this legislative session. And I, every time I go over there, I, my eyes just pop wide open at the process. I, you know, you've got you've got your people in session, and then you've got these, you know, these red ropes around the outside of the building where people, lobbyists stand. It's and, like a movie theater. It's like a kids. movie theater. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you call What do you call right. those? things but anyway so people are just standing there waiting for their representatives to come out these lobbyists and so they can say you know senator senator can i get a minute can i get a minute and they're you know making their pitches in what 30 seconds a minute or whatever it's just such a weird process for me i mean to you know i came home last night and i felt like i needed to take a shower well usually that's because the ventilation system there is so lousy <laughs> but uh i think that what people need to understand is that um 
you know, we're all the average, you know, hardworking Connecticut resident American are very busy. They're trying to uh, provide for their families. Uh, if they're retired, uh, they're busy as well. Uh, but they have certain responsibilities. We have certain responsibilities of citizens, and it's very. It doesn't take much time to get involved, and legislators do listen. Believe do they? It or not. Yeah, if they listen, if you get them personally one on one, if they get them an email, if you make the effort, and if you organize and bring your collective voices to bear, uh, it helps uh, when you can control certain aspects of our society. Um, it helps if you know elements of our society that control information are you know predisposed to support you uh, without even looking at the facts. But that's what we get paid to do, and we get to pay to represent uh, the interests of people that don't have the time in their day to come up to the Capitol and, and seek redress from their elected officials. I, I'm going to put a little pitch in here that, that one thing that has disturbed me is someone who's literally been at that in that building in some, as, you, as the, my introduction said, you, you left out some other less uh, less favorable <laughs> jobs I've had. But I've been a, a creature of that building since 1985. I started as a newspaper reporter, and then I was a staffer, and then uh, I've obviously been in elective, uh, you know, uh, politics and uh, grassroots and lobbying for different organizations and clients. Um, and the, the thing about the building is that um, it has always been open to the public, and the, uh, the legislators have always been accessible most of the time, whether they're in the building during committee meetings, during office hours, or during the legislative session. And sadly, uh, they still can operate now by remote control. In other words, they can vote in their offices, in their, phone, on their, in their cars, uh, under the old uh, COVID restrictions. <clears throat> and the last time I checked, officially, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic is over. It's been yeah. over for a while. Yeah, so get your butt in the building. It's, it's officially been over uh, by the federal government. Right. I, I was told, uh, just happenstance, I had to go see a friend in, a, in a Yale in the Haven, and even they have listed, lifted the mask mandates. Now, I would argue sometimes there's a good reason to wear a mask in a hospital under any circumstances, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, um, both parties, uh, some members, a lot of members, still uh, use this. Uh, as a way not to be as accessible as they could be. That's a big disappointment. But then, again, it, it requires uh, people like the Catholic Conference and other organizations to mobilize uh, the, the general public to reach out and find these legislators uh, to get things, uh, get their point across and engage in, in the proper debate. Uh, the obvious way to, you know, square this up is in an election but the process of making laws is is tedious. A lot of it's done through private meetings. Uh, sometimes amendments pop up at the last minute, and that's why lobbyists are paid to pay attention to that. And I'm not saying it's unfair or whatever. It's just the process. But, well, but it makes it a little bit more challenging, and I think it's unnecessary for these rules to still be in effect that allow legislators literally to mm -hmm. phone it in. Yep. And I don't think that's fair under any un, under any circumstances. And if a legislator wants to wear a mask on the floor or wants to wear a mask in their car or whatever, that's fine. But if you can't show up, then maybe you should think about yeah. getting out. That's a problem. You know, and I noticed a sense of panic because the session's down to its final days and a lot of people are, you know, trying to get their stuff in there and get their amendments in there and bills are getting killed and blah, blah, blah. But 
you represented, as you mentioned, the archdiocese, and um, you were very vocal. Your organization was very vocal on the assisted suicide bill, which you said you got it killed. So explain to people what that means. I hate using that term, especially okay. with something like assisted suicide. I know. But well, what the issue is Kill the bill, simple. right? Right. So assisted suicide has been an issue now for almost 13 years. The proponents of it have basically filed the same bill over and over again. And what it would do is it basically would allow uh, physicians, certain physicians, uh, to prescribe a lethal uh, drug to end someone's life. Uh, and the, I guess the the parameters of getting that are very weak and very slippery. Now, obviously, in in Catholic theology, and you know, we don't believe suicide. We, you know, suicide is seen as a sin, but you know, we are we are here to promote life and to protect life at all stages, from natural conception to natural end, and to certainly not empower the state to take it. That's why we're against capital punishment as well. Um, this bill. Uh, was able to uh, find its way out of the Public Health Committee. That's an irony of itself, but that was reality. And during the process, it had to go to another committee, the Judiciary Committee. And luckily, the members of that committee were open to the arguments that not only the church made, but a broad coalition of people from the disabled community, hospice workers, uh, veterans groups, people that understood that while we are more than sympathetic and caring, in fact, Catholic hospitals and Catholic charities provide a lot of assistance to people who suffer uh, from a variety of mental and physical maladies, that suicide is not an answer to anything and that the issue of pain and suffering uh, is not an issue uh, with the various methods we have now through hospice and palliative care, which is where we should be investing more and as well in mental health for people who seek this for simply reasons of despondency, loneliness, um, the fact that life is not what it used to be. These are the reasons cited in other states that that have assisted suicide in the books, particularly Oregon, uh, where 80% of the people that apply for it have nothing to do with pain. So we made those arguments. We also made the argument that uh, we have a, uh, we talked about this before we went on, a suicide contagion in this country, particularly among young women, uh, young girls, and that we cannot, as a society, then make it legally and morally acceptable for this option. Because once you put that into the culture, uh, it creates more problems. And that we we are better people than to take a express lane to suicide uh, and to go down a, a path like that. So we were lucky, uh, and we worked hard with a lot of people, and there were a lot of people in the Judiciary Committee who were extremely uh, thoughtful and uh, decided not to pursue the bill this year. But we have no illusions that it won't come back next year, and, and on and on and on it goes. But. Right, but, you know, you talk to the other side, which I have talked to the other side, that were, that were proponents of this bill. You know, there are a lot of people out there that are suffering, that have terminal illnesses, that are in pain, their quality of life. I'll, I'll use my, my neighbor as an example. She's, uh, you know, in her probably early 60s, severe dementia, dwindling down to nothing, doesn't know who anybody is. And, you know, and what kind of quality of life is that? So her... Her husband's her caregiver, and uh, 
we, you know, people say you need to put her somewhere. No, till death to us part. Well, death to us part happened because he passed away. And I think part of that was the reason for being a caregiver for somebody like that. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a good Catholic person. I know what, what I've studied. I know what my beliefs are. But you know what? If I got to that point, I think I would want that option. Because, you know, you can do the chemo and radiation. You can do all those things. But, you know, I don't want to. F- I, I always say to people, if I get like that, not that example, but other examples, if I get to be like that, let me go. I think that's a, I certainly understand that point of view. And I think everybody that's had uh, that type of loss, um, is legit- it's a legitimate feeling to go forward. Our argument is that, well, you know, that's life. You know, that once you start um making or put the state you put the state involved in this and that's what the other problem is once the state gets involved in this and once you let this out of the bag then the issues that you talk about almost become secondary it becomes a, an express lane for people that have other options and yes there are circumstances where people would say that but you have to kind of look at the collective o- overall uh, aspect of our culture i mean are we a society this society, this American society that was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but it starts with life, and to protect it at all costs, and sometimes we run into situations that seem, you know, hopeless and full of fear, but that's when we need to come together in a a spirit of love and empathy and support, and we learn a lot from people at the end of life and how they handle it and what we learn from it. And I know people who are in similar circumstances that have had people that are suffering, but they'll at the same breath say, we're gonna do everything we can to keep them here because I know that I will miss them for every day uh, that I think I'm I'm gonna save myself the inconvenience or the suffering that they're going through. So yeah, these are important issues. You know, we, we don't dismiss the fact that people do suffer and suffer greatly as John Paul II did when he was nearing the end of his life uh, in great, who, who suffered greatly with Parkinson's and other debilitating illnesses. And if you look, watch the way he handled that uh, to the end of his days, I think is, a, is sort of an example of what it, it's about. But it, it's a difficult issue, and there's no question about it. We don't, you know, we don't uh, judge anybody. We're, we just are out there just you have to stand st- by your sticking by what we believe in and, and see how people feel, and that's where we are right now. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with uh, Chris Healy, and Chris um, is the executive director of the Connecticut Catholic Conference. Uh, Chris, it also, you were we were talking before the show, too, it also kind of lets insurance companies off the hook, right? You're talking about... Um, well, one of the arguments we made was that, that and we, did, we didn't create this out of whole cloth, we just simply turned to where this assisted suicide has matured into public policy full throttle, which is in Canada. And in Canada last year, 10,000 people took their lives uh, through assisted suicide. Many of those are promulgated on the fact that, as you know, in Canada, they have national health care. And uh, in many cases, the national health care coverage would, uh, would literally inform a patient who is seeking an additional form of care at an advanced stage with several, uh, you know, comorbidities was denied coverage uh, because of the cost. So the option there is, well, uh, you're on your own or you can take the assisted suicide and they literally provide that information, encourage that to people who they, on one hand, they deny coverage. And this gets back to rationing and what's euphemistically called death panels. 
Um, and the only people that tend to benefit from that, obviously, are you know certain insurance industries that do want to pay costly premium or excuse me, costly payments on mm-hmm. based on premiums for people uh, at the end of uh, or at advanced ages who are want certain procedures to prolong their life. That's how we pay for insurance. We pay for insurance, and we expect if we make our premium payments and we file a claim, and the claim is legitimate, that it gets paid. And so part of our argument was. You know, this is a this is where we're going to be heading, and then the, for many, especially particularly those in a, in a, who are poor, who come from areas where they have very, they have state health care or Medicare. These are this is where we're heading. You look at Medicare being bankrupt in five or ten years, Medicaid being on watch. These are issues that reach ahead, and people start looking for options on how to cut costs and. What is the one thing they always say? Well, you know, we endure ninety percent of our costs for people at the end of life, end of life care. That's where all the money goes. You know, is that a really good use of our resources? You hear these things; they become very real. And I don't think that's a society we necessarily, from the Catholic perspective, uh, and we as Catholic healthcare providers and providers of charity services, you know, we we don't we don't walk away from our responsibilities. So it, I think it's more than empowers us to have a. Uh, uh, an opinion about that. So that's that's just one area that we explored. So let's talk now. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about legalization of marijuana. Well, it, it's a, it's a fact. You know, the church opposed legalization, uh, as did almost every other faith-based faith group of religious in the in the state. We worked very hard to see if we could uh, oppose it. Unfortunately, uh, we are here now in a legalized state. It is simply for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no practical benefit right. um, for it. The church supported decriminalization of possession of uh, marijuana and other non-lethal you know, lethal drugs, but um, like I said, we didn't believe people should you know, go to jail for 10 years for, for you know, low-level possession of marijuana. But here is where we are. We now see in schools um, the effects of legalized marijuana, children vaping in schools. I can say, tell you that from being a member of a local school board. Um, edibles are everywhere. Uh, they're purchased and distributed by older children and sold to younger children or given to younger children. Uh, we hear and smell marijuana everywhere in the public venue. Uh, it's affecting um, uh motor vehicle incidents, accidents in the workplace, lost time, uh, and a lot of other things, including the effect marijuana has on uh, people with severe mental illnesses, particularly younger people who may suffer from paranoia or schizophrenia, and you add to this. So there are a lot of bad uh, side effects. Now that we've made it legal and acceptable, we're reaping kind of a whirlwind of the effect it has on society particularly younger people with, you know, their brain development and everything else under the sun. So we've made that legal. That part but of let our, me interrupt you a second. Yeah. It, it doesn't take much to do your research on what the yeah. impacts are going to have. You're right. Yeah. It was a money grab. It was a money grab by the governor and, and people up at the up right. at the state. That's my opinion. Do your research. You know, get on an airplane, go to Denver, go to Colorado, where oh, I'm from. I have a friend I have a friend who lives in Colorado outside of Denver. He says it's Den- ruined the Denver state. is uninhabitable. In other words, Unbelievable. Denver— he does not go there. Um, nope. He says, it, it, aside from just the general smell and the... It, it, it's the a, poverty, it, the crime, it's the, everything. A, it's, it's a zombie land. 
It is. If, if it people is. are so, wandering around So like knowing zone. that, knowing yeah. that you've got real live case studies in other states, why in the hell, other than the money, that's the only motivation? The money. I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. But nobody's listening. Well, in the same breath that they say, you know, this is fine, they're <laughs> they're – they're looking to expand ways about on drug treatment and drug education. Uh, isn't it they funny? Legalize it, right? You know, I mean, they'll say, "Well, we legalize alcohol." I said, "Well, uh-huh. that's true." And uh, alcohol is, uh, you know, also a drug, and, and as you and I both know, it is a, a killer. Yep. Um, but alcohol leaves your system after 24 hours, uh, unless you're really at it. <laughs> uh, and I know a little bit about it in, in my past life, and a little about that too. But uh, marijuana has a, has a lot of other problems that are not al- that are, the alcohol cannot even touch, and um, and it's a gateway drug. And it's a gateway drug. And let's face it, um, between edibles and whatever, you can't detect it on uh, children if they're eating it. Um, you can tell if a, if an eight year old's had a, had alcohol in their breath. There's no way to really track it. And again, it gets back to what kind of society are we living in? Mm -hmm. I mean, are we a society that promotes clear thinking and sobriety and clearness of thought? No one's one's passing judgment on it, but I'm saying is once you, what was the, you know, when you try to pass laws, whatever they are, you say, what is the public good to come of this? Money. And legalizing marijuana had no public good other than money that just goes back into the big pot. Uh, the, for politicians to spend on whatever, including drug prevention, which is just absurd. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. So they legalize marijuana. Now the the television ad campaigns, the billboard campaigns. Well, it's also you know, let's let's talk about gambling. I mean, that's, oh, that's same just, thing. It's just the online yeah. gambling. Right. It's the same thing. Now, it's the we, same thing. Now you know when you and I were children, and we we knew like the uncle who liked to place the bet, you know, on the football game, and had, had to go to a bookie, and you know there was mm-hmm. all that sort of undercover stuff, and it was sort of tolerated as low-level graft until it got to a higher level. But, you know, society frowned on it. There were checks and balances. Mm -hmm. Now you have, you know, young people with phones and credit cards, uh, you know, gambling away idly all the time. And And it's okay. It's it's been, And again, it's a money grab. Um, You know, I'm not trying to sound like a prude. Believe me, I'm the last of that. I'm not judging, but once you let all these things loose, thinking that somehow by making them legal, you remove illegality, which is a farce. That's the first farce. It's just they want to get in on the action of the money. Yes. Well, you know, and we've got a few minutes left here, Chris. I could talk to you forever. But, you know, and I think it goes back to, and you and I are on the same page on this, people don't have or people need to get back to the foundation, the foundation of having something that you believe in, whatever that is. And this is what, let me just, just, absolutely, you know, there is something to be said. As the older you get, of course, you know, you, you, like me, my journey to connecting with God was based on desperation. I was a foxhole Catholic for a long time until I, my life needed to have the Holy Spirit invaded and save me. It did. I'm not proselytizing here. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but for me it worked. And part of that is every day I try to, as much as I play in a rough and tumble game, try to you know maintain a level of humility and virtue. I, I strive for virtue. And we don't teach and we don't compel people in our generation and below to say, we need to promote virtue and goodness and, and honesty in everything we do. 
And if we do that, a lot of our problems can be solved. But if we take these shortcuts, if we take these, oh, I'm not going to judge, mm -hmm. that's nonsense. Mm -hmm. You know, there has to be judgment in collectivism. And we have to frown upon things that are, that are harmful to children, harmful to society, harmful to the culture of this country. And, and we spend more time debasing and trying to confuse children on their gender. We try to confuse people about what's right and wrong. We know what's right and wrong. And we need to, people need to stand up and say that's wrong and that's right. Uh, and that there's no gray area and stop this, you know, sort of nihilistic moral relativism that's destroying us. As because a country, no, as a, yes. Because nobody says, oh, it's not my place to judge. Uh -huh. Of course it is. Mm -hmm. we, we judge ourselves. We judge our children. We need to be accountable. We can't blame everything on the government or everything on the school system. You know, it all starts with people taking responsibility, trying to live a good life, uh, and, and, uh, and to support those who are, and to hold people up that are leading that sort of life and trying to emulate that rather than just try to tear them down or be cynical or, or to be dis, you know, dismissive of it or to make fun of it. And I think that's part of what we try to do at the conference is say, look, we're people of faith. You know, we believe in life. We believe in charity. We believe in, in humility and virtue. And we want to promote that, whatever your religion is. Mm -hmm. But we also want to have the, the – we have a God-given and divine right that this country was created on to protect that religious freedom and practice because if we're doing that then anything is possible and and good things can happen and we've got to get back to that we've got to get back to the basics and as parents we you know that's what i told my kids you know i'd take them kicking and screaming to church every sunday why do we have to do this why do we have to go to ccd why are we why are you making us do this because i said it's my job as a parent to build a foundation of faith that's what i signed up for that's what i believe in this is the foundation what you build on that as you turn into adults it depends on you and i think more people need to really embrace that and go back and really think about it, it the important part at least and i'm just speaking for myself here because there are people that do it better than i do in my church is that that ability to spend time with God and, and, and your faith calms you, it centers you, mm -hmm. it takes you away from your own selfish needs and interests. It, it says to you, it's the voice that you try to listen to every day, at least a couple of times a day, say, okay, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing here? Are my motives the right motives? Am I being selfish? You know, that's what faith, that's what religion, whatever your religion allows you to do, it allows you to turn to something that's greater than yourself to guide you and you know to spend some part of your every day doing that and you can't require people to do it um it has to come from within but at the very least we we shouldn't have the state involved in trying to to dismiss it to take it out of our schools to take it out of our communities to 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 belittle it or to secularize it uh at their expense you know it's let us do our thing is our argument stop putting laws in that that either abrogate it, restrict it, demean it, or, uh, you know, put a disadvantage to it. Absolutely. Chris Healy, thank you so much for being here. Great conversation. And a lot of our listeners are actually either coming or going from church. How interesting is that? Okay. So thank you for a keep, great conversation. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep so. your eyes on the road. That's right. And of course, thank you all for tuning in to this edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.